This episode of the Lunch Break Podcast is brought to you by the sales developers. They believe that outbound sales requires a consistent commitment to the process, and they understand the tedious and time-consuming task of sourcing, hiring, and onboarding new sales talent. Besides providing premium quality contact data, outbound prospecting services, and expert consulting to consistently fill your sales buckets, they have built the ultimate sales enablement tool, Uplevel. It lets you uplevel your skills by managing all of your playbooks and scripts in one place. Still writing your favorite opening lines on sticky notes? Are your training and guides in a hundred different folders? Do you wish you had a way to develop a playbook to actually enable your team? With Uplevel, you can easily do it all. Whether you're a rep or a leader, your job just got a whole lot easier. Start for free today and you can go to thesalesdevelopers.com backslash Uplevel. You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 41 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden, and today's guest for episode 41 is Seth Thompson. Seth is a national account manager at Time Payment, and Seth came across my radar on LinkedIn. Seth creates consistent creative content that is a shining example of what every modern sales professional needs to be doing today. Very excited about having him on the show. We talk about how he got started in sales, the correlation uh, that he saw between his sports career and getting into sales, how those two things are so closely related for him. We talk about his journey into sales, some of the struggles he had starting out, very valuable insight on his experience there. And then we dive into the importance of uh, building a personal brand. And Seth is somebody who is actively doing that probably right now. So all in all, an amazing episode. If you don't have time to listen to the entire thing, as always, I'm going to serve up a snack break sales tip from Seth Thompson. Take a listen. The biggest thing I would say is just do like whatever that is if it's content if it's something else you're on the fence about or a new approach you want to try like you just have to do it and like be willing to get over that fear that that risk that's out there because it's going to be a risk um and, and that again i'll relate it directly back to context obviously that's I'm, I'm passionate about that i spend a lot of time there but i see so many people that say well i'm scared to look silly i don't know what i talk about People are going to judge me. It's a different approach. So what? Like you just have to do. And you will never know if you're going to be good at it or if it will be effective until you do. There will always be a reason not to. Like until you can swallow that and get over it. You just have to go do it. And I, I would encourage uh, salespeople, even if you find out it's not your thing, to give it an honest try, right? People laughed at the first people that tried to call over the phone and make sales too but they <laughs> yeah. just did it they said i'm gonna try this and yeah. so you just have to be willing to swallow your pride and go out and do whatever it is so just do do what you got to do go back to your desk 
handle what you got to handle on the way home, tune into the rest of the episode and take in the amazing value that Seth Thompson brings to episode 41 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to episode 41 of the Lunch Break Podcast. My name is James Bodden, and I am fired up about my guest today. Uh, today, I have Seth Thompson on the show, and Seth is somebody that came across and just literally grabbed my attention on LinkedIn. He is an active content creator. He is a in-the-trenches sales professional. He's creating content that revolves around his job and the folks that he serves and helps. He's creating content for salespeople. And so for all of those reasons, I'm really excited to have you here, Seth. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really jacked. And uh, it's an honor to be a guest on here, man. I, I really am excited. And anytime I get the opportunity to uh, hop on and talk to other sales pros like yourself, number one, but also share the things I'm passionate about, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to jump on. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love it. And, and so <clears throat> let's just dive into it. I think we've got a lot to cover, a lot that I want to talk to you about. So um, Seth, talk to us about how you got started in sales. Yeah, well, I think, you know, very few people, I, I follow the normal track, right? Go to high school, graduate, go to college, not knowing what you want to do. And I think very few people go to college saying, I want to be a sales salesperson, uh, which maybe some do and more power to you. But that wasn't me. I didn't know. Um, and really, even going into my senior year, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, gosh, I got all these student loans. I, I got to get a job. You know, what's my big boy job going to be? What am I going to do? And I started going through that interview process for all sorts of different stuff. Um, you know, obviously sales positions, even some HR stuff, it's just across the spectrum, right? Like how do I do somewhere I can interact with people? And the more that I interviewed at places, the more it became apparent to me that I think the sales seemed to be a good fit for me, right? From uh, the competitive nature, uh, you know, being able to work for something, being part of a team, uh, use my personality. So I started, <clears throat> I started interviewing for those types of jobs uh, and eventually landed at a company called Great America Financial Services, um, which I was there for about five years. And then, uh, you know, that actually took me to my current role with time payment. But really the thing uh, about Great America was that they took me in, someone that's totally green, has never had a sales role. And they said, we're going to put you in our you know, rep development program. I, I think a lot of organizations have these type of things. And I thought they did a really awesome job. Um, that was probably six months long. And then eventually I moved into a territory there. But it, it's weird because the industry I work in, it's, uh, it's actually equipment leasing or financing. And I work within the IT space and the communication space to help you know, folks finance those type of transactions through different programs. But no one goes to college saying, I want to be a salesman. No one really goes to college to say, I want to be a leasing salesman. But, you know, here I am five and a half years later. And uh, it's been a really, really interesting time. Number one, obviously seeing myself grow as a sales professional and learning a ton there, but also learning the space that I work in, right? The finance space and the technology MSP world as well. Yeah. And I think, like you mentioned, most of us have ended up here by some sort of accident, (laughs) or default, or last resort, or, you know, I've said this a million times, the sales profession, I feel like is like the land of lost toys, or whatever yeah. it is, right? Misfits. Land of <laughs> misfits. Um, but in reality, I think, to me, it, it's just really a symptom of the um, 
huge issue we have in sales of the perception of the profession, the reality yeah. of the profession, because you, you were an athlete growing up, right? Yeah, I, I uh, played all sorts of sports growing up, played a year of college baseball, and then uh, I compete powerlifting now. Yeah, so to me, somebody who's involved with athletics needs to be exposed to sales in high school because I've met so many salespeople that eventually, somehow, through some way, found sales and, and really feel just if not even more fulfilled as they did as an athlete, because the two yep. things are so similar. You know, we draw yeah. comparisons to sports all the time in sales. And the more and more I talk to, to salespeople that are ex-athletes, it's just like, gosh, you know, um, it's gotta be, I mean, <clears throat> you know, when you're in high school and you're an athlete, you either know, I mean, you know what's going on, right? You yeah. either know you're good enough to keep going and, right. and that's apparent and it gets earlier and er earlier now, right? Probably by the time you're in freaking sep you know, like seventh grade. Yeah. Uh, you've got offers if, if, if you're that type of athlete. But yeah. you know, for the majority of high school athletes, there's, you know, all right, well, I'm going to go to college. And then what, what's, what's going to feed this competitive drive I have? What's going to mm -hmm. replace all of the hours that I've spent practicing and getting better at yeah. my craft? And um, I just, w I just think that's a huge gap for us as, as kind of yeah. a profession as a whole, because, you know, if somebody had come to you in high school and said, Hey man, you're an athlete, you are a personable guy, you're friendly. Um, have you ever thought about getting into sales? Like just, yeah. or, or, or let me just at least not even that don't even start there. You could e just say, Hey, did you know that this is possible? Because yeah. for me, my idea of a salesperson was you're, you're a car salesman, you're right a retail salesperson or like an insurance salesperson. I literally yeah. had zero clue about the inside sales world. The fact that right. I would one day be able to work remote as a salesperson, that made no sense yeah. to me um, when I first got into it. So, you know, your exposure to, to being in sales came through this company that gave you this opportunity, uh, brought you on. And, um, and I love that they put you into that rep development program. Um, talk to us about yeah. like the value of that. Like, why did you think that was particularly valuable for you? Um, because I feel like a lot of yeah. places do that in quotations, but it's not really too effective. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that is like, I think that was a huge part of my success and how much I was able to grow. Because again, when you're coming out of college, um, I think, there's a lot, what, what they did really well is they looked at me for what I was and also what I could be rather than saying a lot of companies, what I think they do, right? They say, Hey, we're going to scoop all these people right out of college and we're going to throw them into this SDR role. We know that 60 to 70% of them are going to fail and be gone within six months. Yeah. What, like that failure is a result of you not investing in them. You saying, we're going to give you your two weeks training and get on the phone and sell. And if you don't, you're out. Look at another one where this company, um, they basically took it upon themselves to say, no, we're looking at you as an investment. We're going to, we're going to put so much time into you and we're going to teach you the right way. Um, and, and if we get to the end of that time, maybe it won't work out, right? Maybe we'll say, no, you're not a salesperson, but our guess is that you will be. And part of that comes through having a more selective hiring process and trying to, you know, instead of just saying like, hey, we're gonna scoop as many players as we can get, 
And if we get 100 players, we might get, uh, you know, 5A players, 25B players, so many C players. And they're saying, you know what, we only want to have 30 players, but we want them all to be A and B players, maybe an equal split. Right. And I think that approach goes a long way. And, and also part of that comes with the industry you work in and things as, as well, um, because the, the spot that I work, it's channel sales, which is a little different, number one. Um, but then it's also just a, a longer sales cycle and a bit more complex than say something that's more transactional. Hey, I'm going to call you. I'm going to book a demo and then you're going to buy it. Right. And so <clears throat> I think that plays a part in it. But I really do think that that program taught me a couple of things. Number one it gave me a really solid uh, outline on like what the cycle of a sale should be, what that sales cycle looks like, how you move people through there. Right. And I have always been, and, and the other thing it taught me, which again is I think is missing in sales today is it taught me to be a full cycle sales rep, which again, it has its place. Uh, I don't think it's for every industry, but it has its place. And I think now you see like every business trying to move to this really segmented, sales process and what that turns it into is your SDR knows how to book demos, but they don't know how to actually sell someone. They don't know how to get an agreement signed, right? They, they don't know how to sit there and continue to nurture a relationship with a customer and make continuous tweaks to the program, which that, you know, that was kind of all part of that six months, right? Which again, I guess if you have an SDR, maybe you can fit just that first part into two weeks, but that's what they're stuck doing. And so that's why this program is so much longer. And that whole time, you know, at month six, they're still reinforcing the stuff that I was taught at week two. And that just went a really long way. And, you know, giving me exposure to what that whole process looks like, helping me develop as a very well-rounded individual. And also just from being a, you know, a professional, like you think about so many kids that come out of uh, college and they maybe go into that type of a program or one of the, you know, the accelerator ones where they jump into an SDR role. And they're taught how to do one thing, but then they're not like they're not taught how to just be a professional and interact with people, how to do how to do the small talk, how to talk with executives at your company, how to talk to your boss, how to set goals, you know, that's things that aren't taught to them. And those were all things that were a really big part of that program. And I do, I think that was a huge part of really, you know, the success I found to this point, which isn't you know, huge, but for me, I'm, I'm very happy with the, the development that I've had. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, all of those things are so key and, and alone, it takes people years to find that stuff out mm -hmm. years to figure that shit out. Right. I mean, and so it's, it's, a, it's a huge advantage to have that resource, but then, you know, the, the real trick is, are you going to buy in? Are you going to take yeah. advantage of what they're offering? And, um, right. you know, I think a lot of the times the responsibility is put on the company. Well, you need to train your people better. You need to do this. You yeah. need to treat SDRs better. And I'm one of the people always saying that, right? I'm always advocating for yeah. frontline salespeople. But, you know, truth is, there's a lot of us out there that are half-assing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, and like you said, that's, that's a big thing is like – if your company's willing to buy in, you got to be willing to buy in too. And it really is, it's that long-term commitment of saying, again, we're making this investment and 
you know, part of that is, I, I don't know if it's that you have to change the attitude of the SDRs and salespeople you have, or again, if you have to be more selective about the SDRs and salespeople that you're hiring in. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the nature versus nurture thing, right? And it's probably a little bit of both in, uh-huh. in all reality. Um, but that's a big thing. And I think as we see, I hope we see more sales organizations uh, adopt this type of approach, right? Um, we're also, we're going to see a lot more high caliber salespeople, but I think we'll also see that sales force maybe shrink a little bit too, because those other people that aren't bought in um, and, and maybe a good fit for other roles in the organization, not a sales role will kind of get you know pushed out one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the rise of automation and technology, you know, those are the areas that'll start getting squeezed and the, the automation and, and all of the technology will help the good salespeople and the committed salespeople just have more conversations and have more human interactions yeah, right? because yep. it's going to cut out. You've got more, those people have more exposure, yeah. right? And yep. the more that those people have exposure and that other people that might be speaking to that mediocre salesperson get to speak to this person that's an ace, that's more sales for the ace and less for that mediocre person, right? Which yeah. again, just kind of plays to that whole divide. Yeah, well, and it's a better customer experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's a better it's a better experience for for the the end user, and yeah, I love that mentality, and and it it kind of shines through what you're doing now, and 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 uh, something I definitely want to talk about. So you yeah. um, had that time with them for for that five year stretch, and then um, came to your current role. At what point did you? So that's a lot for any salesperson that's kind of, you know, getting into the game because, you know, five or six years, um, 10, 15 years, 20 years, that's not a long time in sales because there's no mastery. There's never any black belt level. It's always changing. The guys who've done it for 25 years that were the best 25 years ago are like white belts now. Right. I mean, it's, it's just completely a, uh, what have you done for me lately type thing. Uh And so, to keep up with that and succeed as a salesperson is hard enough. What made you decide to start creating content around what you were doing and start and, and, you know, essentially committing to that obligation of, you know, creating content. I, I, I'm very interested in how you got to that point and then we'll dive into how you're managing it. Yeah. So it's, Again, going back to what you just said, like the the game of sales and I think just business life in general is continuously evolving, right? And as technology plays a bigger role in our jobs and really all jobs, right? We've just, that uh, technology is changing now faster than ever and that pace of change is only going to speed up, right? So right now, what may be a cycle of a year where trends will change in 10 years, it might be a cycle of a week. You know, and it's so hard to keep up with that. And that's like, like it, it's a tough job, right, in, in general. But then, like, you talk about a content piece. And I think one of the things that I had learned a lot of in that role when I was going through that program and my five years managing territories there and growing territories there, um, I'd been taking the normal approach that salespeople are taught to take, right? Like, and it's not, it's not wrong, but it, it's just what it was. And it was like, Hey, Seth, you're going to make your calls. You're going to do your emails. Uh, you're going to work with your existing customers, try to bring on new business. I'm like, okay, like that's good. 
but what I found is that what a lot of people find, right? You, you get to a point where like, you know what, like 90%, maybe plus of these people aren't picking up the phone <laughs> and the conversations I'm having are really, really valuable. But like, how do I get more of those conversations? How do I, how do I get my message out there? Um, because I feel like I have a valuable message to bring. And it was just like the perfect time. It was like last summer, uh, probably a little before this time, I was just finding myself frustrated. Like, again, like, gosh, like, I feel like I'm just falling into this normal routine. And, and again, it was fine, but I felt like I had more value to bring. I had a valuable message and I wasn't getting it out to enough people. Well, we had a speaker in for one of our partner events. His name's Marcus Sheridan. Uh, he's a, a marketing guru, a digital marketing guy, and he came in, and his whole like message it was about content marketing. So using videos, video in particular, but also using articles and blog posts and stuff like that. And his is more from a, a account perspective, right? Like, hey, if you're a, an organization, how do you get people to your site? How do you get the attention in your space? And it's Content. Well, think of the first, the first thing that someone does. They have a question. They don't call up a salesperson and say, I got a question on this thing. They go to Google, right? And they say, top 10 XYZ or um, what's the best XYZ for me, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like you can do that from a company perspective. Like why couldn't I do the same thing for myself? Like LinkedIn is this really powerful thing. Uh, I can create content there. It doesn't have to be like super high quality as long as I'm answering questions and the content itself is valuable. And so I was like, I'm just gonna try this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it like the thing ended on a Friday. I'm like, I'm just gonna try putting out a video on a Monday. And I put out a video and I was just amazed at the reach it had uh, and the response it got from people. And it wasn't even anything outrageous. It was like maybe a couple thousand views, like some people comment like, oh, great job, Seth, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, whoa, people see this. Like it's driving conversation, uh, which even if it's not, again, super, super targeted at, I wanted to see this specific person. It was driving conversation. And then it, all of a sudden it was people in my second degree network and third degree network. And I was like, mm. holy smoke, this is crazy. I was like, okay, I got to keep going with this thing. And so at first it was like, okay, I'll do a video a week. I'll put out a video a week. I'm still doing everything else I was doing. This is, this is cool. Eventually got to the point and actually that's where I switched roles um, and, and got to my current role where I'm like, you know what, I should, I should, like, I'm seeing success with this, I should do more, and so, then it was two videos a week, then two videos a week, and then a text post on the days I wasn't doing videos, and then eventually it got to the point where I'm like, this, like, this has to be it for me, because I, the, the role I stepped into as well uh, was literally, hey, Seth, you're starting a, a new market from scratch for us, like, you're not taking over any accounts, you're just going to go out there, you're going to get, we need you to get business, we need you to raise awareness for who we are, I'm like, what better way to do this? Like literally I've, I've got this ready built network of people that are in my space. And then on top of that, um, I can go connect directly with all these people too. Like, I don't know how else I would do this. And so I, I'm to a point now and I have been for a while where I'm putting out a video every day and putting out a piece of content every day and just the amount that my network has grown both within my industry uh, and then just within the sales space in general has been tremendous. And it's paid dividends for me because like just the pure exposure of, of people, even if I'm not connected with them, but they're in my space, even if it's, uh, you know, someone I'm calling on that's maybe not seeing every single piece of content because we're not connected, although I'm probably trying to connect them. 
I don't know how many times I call someone and when they do pick up the phone, they say, oh, you're the LinkedIn guy. You're the video guy, right? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's me. And it just, it, it disarms people, right? And they feel like there's that familiarity there. And it's, it's just insane how much that has paid off. <clears throat> and even how much it has opened up people that will reach out to me directly and be like, hey, I saw you uh, work in the same space. Like, even if we can't work together directly, it sounds like maybe we should at least have a conversation, introduce each other. And like the amount of doors that those type of conversations have opened for me has just been insane. And that's where I think people, and, and we can certainly jump into this more, um, but I think people, number one, I've talked about this before, but sales managers and sales leadership, and then also salespeople in general, they write up content because there's not a direct ROI. You can't say someone watched this video, someone read this post, someone commented on this. And then they reached out and said, I want to work with you. We're like with a call, right? You can say, well, I called them and they picked up. We had a count, you know, and, and they don't like that. It, it's hard to quantify and that there's a gray area you have to play in. And I get that from like an operator perspective because you're trying to do something that's repeatable and data driven. But, and I think this is a big part of where this, the sales profession is going. Having the data driven piece is really important but your people also have to have uh, the ability to have some gray area to play in, right? And, and the stuff that you can standardize, right? You can't standardize the results, but you can standardize the approach, um, you know, and say that I know I'm going to commit, commit to doing this thing this often and know it's a long-term play where maybe this more standardized stuff's an immediate play, but I know that will pay off eventually. Right. And, and that's something that I think, again, it's, we're early right now. And I think that's why people miss it. But I think if we look back in a couple of years, this stuff you and I are doing right now, the videos that we put out, the content, like, I think that will be a lot more commonplace. Right. But it's, uh, yeah, it's obviously long winded answer, but it's paid a it. huge uh, to me as a sales professional, uh, developing my brand number one value to my company, but then the value to myself, right? Like how much more valuable are you as a salesperson when you can go, um, you know, to your organization and say, listen, guys, this is the reputation I've built. This is the network I've built. And like, it just wouldn't be there if I was like, it literally just wouldn't be there. I did some like just country math or I'm, I'm from Iowa country math here. <laughs> I'm like, if my content, which the content I'm pro producing cumulatively over the five days of the week, I'm putting out content we'll get anywhere from like 10 to 30,000. If I have a couple posts that hit it big, like more than that views per week. And like all of those aren't obviously prospects, uh, but that adds up. Like that's can be between a half million to 2 million, 3 million, 5 million, which like how much would a marketing person pay for that much exposure? Mm -hmm. Right. And that's free. Mm -hmm. That's, that's from me dedicating 30 minutes a day. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Like it's such a low investment for such a high potential payoff. Yeah. Well, I think you, you pointed out, you know, the, the big issue with leadership and social selling or personal branding is that it's not <clears throat> trackable. It's not quantifiable. Yeah. And I also think that it makes leadership nervous because not everybody can do it. So yeah. this is, yeah. this is something that I think, is yeah. uh, not maybe, you know, I love that 
the narrative right now is typically like, hey, if you're a salesperson, start making content. You know, start doing it now. Now's the time to do it. You need to do it. And that's the truth. Now, there are going to be people who are better suited to do certain types of content than others, right? So you may yep. not be a video person. You may be a great written person. You may be a horrible writer and an awesome uh, speaker and you do a podcast or, you know, whatever it is. But I think that's what scares leadership because I might not ever get another Seth. So what happens if I don't get another Seth who's just... And, and it's a different skill set, right? That's yeah. so I think this is something really important too. And again, going back to people and salespeople, it's, it's something new and it makes them nervous because the big thing to them is that it's a new skill and they don't know if they have that skill. And content creation is no different than you know closing then people account managers like some people are just going to be better than other people and if you don't know that you're better then like some people are like, I don't want to do it if I can't be the best number one and I think that's also going to change the skill set of our sales force right like if you're a guy that can go hustle and pound the streets you go do that but you also have to keep in mind that if you're not continually developing your skill set that skill set might not be valuable at some point, just like the content creation skill set might not be valuable at some point. Yeah. But at the same time, you're going to have people that are better and they're going to win, right? It's not dictated by me or you or the bosses or the sales gods. It's dictated by what consumers want. And if you can't do what consumers want, you will not win. And that's where, again, even if leadership is scared and everything else, like that's cool. You can be scared, but you're going to have, underserved unengaged customers then like just because you don't like it doesn't mean that they don't and that's that's kind of where it comes back to and everyone will have their opinions on it and say well this is the thing well this is the thing you have to do this you have to do this but that's someone's opinion and I do that too I share my opinion that's fine but that doesn't mean that it's what consumers want so it's like you have to be going back to what you were saying about salespeople. You have to be constantly evolving your skill set, right? Yep. And some things you will do stronger than others. You you have to be able to decide like where your strength is and play to your strength, mm -hmm. right? So like if you can't uh, do video well, if you just struggle in front of the camera, I would say two things. And and this is like for all pieces of content, just sales in general. Number one. Um, you're not going to know if you're good at something until you give it a fair shot, right? Like don't do a video and then say, I didn't like that or even do video for a month. Like give it a try for three months or six months and see if you get better at it. And if you don't like it's salesperson mindset is so short term too often, right? It's like, Oh, I wasn't good at, well, how long did you try it? Like, did, did, are, were you really? yeah, yeah. But the honest truth is that, to give something a fair shot, like it has to be a sustained effort. It can't be a one time or a couple of times. It has to be sustained and consistent, I should say. Like, and that's where people are like, well, I did a couple of videos and didn't get anything. Like, bro, I've been doing videos for almost a year now. And it took me like six months before I was consistently getting conversations from it. And that's only grown as I've done it for longer, but it just takes a while. And that's even think of the best prospectors, the best cold callers. They didn't pick up the phone their first time and knock it out of the park. Like maybe some did just like some people pick up a camera and kill it with video or they'll kill it with text posts, but it just takes time and work. And like, that's where, what people need to get on board with. It's, it's just the, you know, the idea that, Hey, this is going to take time. It's going to take work. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. 
And at the end, there's still no guaranteed result. Like, I'm probably guaranteed progress, but whether that level I'm at is still even something that's acceptable, like, you're not going to know. You can't guarantee that. There's a level of risk in it. And that's that's how you separate the mediocre from the people that will excel. Because yeah. the people that will excel, while they have killed it so many times, they're probably not nearly as scared of, scared of failure as those people that are in that mediocre camp because they've fallen hard so many times. <laughs> right? Like that's, yeah. it's, you know, again, long winded answer, but it's just, I could go on rants for days about this because it, it, it comes back to my mind so often as I talk to other salespeople about it. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, I think you're probably passionate about it cause you've done it and you've seen it mm-hmm. and you've realized like, okay, this is something that people can do. And I think you've brought up a great point and I don't, know if I've ever really heard this, but that salespeople need to just kind of fold it into what they consider required skills. You know, yeah. like you, you have to get better at writing LinkedIn posts. You have to get more comfortable in front of the camera. You have to get better at, um, you know, being able to comment on other people's posts. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just a skill set. I think you're completely right. Um, and, you know, I do think that that self-awareness of, because I, after watching your content, I would be very surprised if you weren't just kind of nat- or like naturally comfortable. Like it doesn't seem oh, yeah. like <clears throat> so you have trouble doing that, right? I mean, yeah. And what what that comes back to really is kind of what I touched on. Like I, and this call it personality trait, call it a skill, whatever. But like I'm just so indifferent to making myself look dumb like I just don't like I it's I yeah I'm sure I can get embarrassed sometimes there's certain things that would embarrass me but like I have so much got got that mindset and this maybe comes from being an athlete whatever else like I don't look at being dumb as like the end game like I'm like it's two things right it's like not being scared to fail and like have people say like oh you failed haha like yeah I guess I just I don't care because you I care about succeeding at this so much more than I give a shit about people saying, Oh, you failed. Ha ha. That like, it's, it's not even on the same level, you know? And that's where it comes to me. Like if this is something you care about enough, you have to care about being successful in what you do more than you care about looking dumb or people uh, saying stuff about you or some people not liking so many sales people fall into that boat. They want everyone to like them. And so even if they do put out content, it's the same vanilla stuff everyone else puts out. And, you know, it's just not effective because yeah. they're scared to take a stand or, or say, hey, this is the right thing. And that's not just in content. That's in their sale, too. They're scared mm-hmm. to tell a customer, you need to do this because of this because they don't want to make the customer mad, right? It's, <laughs> it's anything. And then they just end up being that person that kind of kisses behinds all day. And, like, they're the ones that say, I'm so busy. My hair is on fire. I got to do all this stuff to make sure it's done right because they're scared to say, no, listen, this is the way it's done. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to help you be successful. Like I'm the expert here. No, like, it just plays itself out in, in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, these themes, these, they seem to repeat themselves across all the things that we need to do as salespeople. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if, if you're not willing to be coachable, to take risks, to right. learn something new, you know, all of those elements that make a successful salesperson just transfer right over into this world of personal branding. And look, I mean, 
your your thoughts on it are are so based in truth because you're actually doing it. Um, yeah. And you know, one thing that I hear because I've obviously talked to a lot of people about this, people mm -hmm. that have asked me questions like, "Hey, how would you recommend I get started?" or Maybe they've even tried and their company shut it down and then that's weird, right? Because yeah, they don't have that so awkward. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and it happens, right? And, and I get it. Not all businesses are in a position to want, you know, they're not, at, they're not ready for yeah. it. That's fine, yep. whatever. In 10 years, once it's the status quo, then they'll get on board and it won't oh, yeah. be as effective and it'll be fine and, you know, um, whatever. But... I've talked to people that say one of their biggest reasons that they don't stay consistent with per, uh, building a personal brand or even really try to do it is because they don't think they have the time. So really oh, oh, quickly, uh, how, you, you know, ex just explain, I think the easiest way, just explain how you're doing this. Like how are you yeah. running a territory, getting new business and finding time to make content every day? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll start by saying the whole, I don't have time thing just means it's not a priority. Like what if you said, I don't have time to make cold calls or I don't have time to meet with customers or uh, I don't have time to hit my goal this month. Like, eh. And so I, cause I hear the same thing, right? Well, I, I don't have time. How, how do I do it consistently? Blah, blah, blah. And I can empathize with it. Cause as you mentioned, like I'm a safe guy too. Like I'm in the trenches, I'm working, but at the same time, all that means is that it's not a priority for you. To me, the content creation, uh, and, and this isn't necessarily right for everybody, but what I've found um, is that it's a daily thing for me because that's how it's most effective. So what it comes down to is you finding what that cadence is to bring consistency. If, it, if it's starting off with doing one video a week or one post a week, which I think now we're beyond that. Like I think to be relevant, you gotta be doing more than that. But if that's what it takes to get you into it, then, then do that but it's making that a non-negotiable, right? Just like the cold calls you're gonna make, just like the client meetings, like put it on your calendar if you have to, um, because it, it's, it's so important to me and it, it should be to other people that are trying to grow in this profession <laughs> that it is just as important as those things. And if it is that your boss is saying, why are you doing that? Like you need to be able to have a good answer and say, listen, this is something I want to try and most bosses are logical people. They'll support you, right? They'll support you and say, hey, go do that. Um, and let's talk in a month or a couple months and see how it's working. Yeah. And if you can take it back to them and saying, this is what I'm seeing from it for this little time investment, you'll be able to justify it. But the biggest thing for me is like going back to tactical, how do I do this, right? So <clears throat> again, I know, and it's just, I'm, I'm a big like routine person. Like I think I've showed this. I have like this stupid uh, you know, to-do list that I write every day. Yeah. And that's the things that are the things that are on there every single day, no matter what, four things that always make it. My outbound calls, my outbound emails, my LinkedIn posts, my LinkedIn video. And then after that, it's all the other stuff that I have to get done, whether it's getting someone an uh, important document or uh, writing a follow-up email for a support call I had or whatever it is. But yep. those four are always on it. Those four always get done because those are like my daily non-negotiables, right? If I don't accomplish these things today, I failed. And the, the thing is, like, I think people see all these videos, videos especially, because you can make videos super cool with all the editing in the world, 
all these special effects, all these different interviews and people dressed up. Like <laughs> it doesn't have to be spectacular. Like I, we were talking about this earlier, I'm a sales guy first. And so if it's not easy for me, if I can't have instant access and, and do this thing right away, how I want, then I'm probably not going to do it. Well, what I, all I do, I literally record maybe a two minute video on my phone. I'll clip the edges. So it doesn't get me setting up the camera and everything else. And then I stick it in this free iPhone app called InShot that lets me put borders on it and put like two words on it to say what the video is about. All of that takes 15 minutes. And then I just write up a little thing and post that on LinkedIn. So all, all in, we're probably talking a 20 minute investment. And so I scrape 20 minutes of work that I, if it adds 20 minutes to my day, it does, it doesn't. Sure. But if it yeah. did, I would totally do it. But all I'm doing is scraping out 20 minutes of the garbage that I shouldn't have been doing anyways, whether that's administrative stuff or goofing off with my buddies or whatever else it is. Yeah. Like that, that's all that investment is. Again, the text posts, again, that's same thing. I literally, I have, uh, I use OneNote, the Microsoft um, tool. I have all these different tabs and I have one tab that's ever dedicated to like content ideas. And literally what I do is I open that up and I say, okay, what do I want to talk about today? I know it's going to be around this. Like, let's see if I have something here. Or I'll come up with ideas myself. And that's not hard. All you, think of the last 10 questions your customers asked you as basic as they are. Like if it's, what's the onboarding process? Or what should I be thinking about when I'm evaluating your solution? What are the questions that I should be asking? And all these answers and like all my videos, you'll notice like I don't talk about my company. I don't talk about time payment at all. Because that's not the idea. It's not to promote. It's to educate. It's to bring value. It's to share things. Because these people aren't going to see something and say, I want to go work with Seth. But if they see enough of my stuff and see me as a credible source on that thing, on financing or technology financing, they say, hey, we, you know, six months later, hey, we, we want to um, bring on a finance partner. Well, like, who's the first person that pops to your mind, right? Like, that, that's the idea that you're after here. It's not an active CTA. It's passive, mm -hmm. right? It's I, I, um, sorry, I got a, my alarm going off now. <laughs> um, it's, it's like that slow drip, right? And instead of it being a drip email campaign, you, you're just putting it where your customers are. So if your customers are on Facebook or Instagram, go do it there. My customers are on LinkedIn. A lot of B2B buyers are on LinkedIn. And like, that's just the easiest way to get it out there. Not only that, but you get it out there and then you get to interact and engage. And that's something where a lot of people miss too. They don't engage on their content. They don't engage their people. They don't engage people's content. Where like content, like to bring value, it, it's not just about putting the content out there. Like you need to interact with the people on there and drive conversation because ultimately that's what I'm after is driving the conversation. Like if you just put something out there and leave it, like, and someone comments on it or likes it, like, cool, they saw it, but like, it never goes anywhere. But if they say, hey, Seth, put this thing out there, and then I had a question I put on there and he answered me and that drove another question from somebody else. Like it's a live production of content. Those comments are additional content mm -hmm. on there because other people can see that they can read it. They might have the same questions. And so like, it's like a dog chasing its tail, right? It just, it, it keeps feeding off of itself. And yeah. I just, I think that so many people, they, they miss that because they see it as like a nice to have and not a necessity. And that's where maybe my mindset's a little different and again it's not right for everybody but it's what i've seen succeed in my space that's helped me stand out is like this is the non-negotiable if you do what all people have done but do what they do 
But if you want to do something great and stand out, you've got to do something different. Now, obviously, you're taking that risk. You might fail there. Like we said, to me, worth it. If I go down in flames, like, I'll come right back up, you know, some other way. But, yeah, like, that's where my mind goes. Is you, you can't do the same thing as everyone else and expect the same thing and expect something different unless you were going to do it dramatically better which there are some people that are really good out there it's gonna be hard <laughs> like i can do this like no offense like but i can do this i'm like I, I don't like i could do a total mediocre job because no one else is doing it they're like oh my gosh gonna set this so great like i hope my students don't really mean no, but yeah. that could really well be the case and there's not that's... enough sample to say otherwise <laughs> like yeah. it just and that's where you come back to what you're saying right like if you're not doing it now, yeah, okay, 10 years, it might be table stakes, but everyone will be doing it. Yeah. And it'll be so much harder to grow an audience, like actually make it impactful. Just like at a certain point, um, the emails and the cold calls and the direct outreach and the mailers, like they all become, like when they first came out, they were so impactful too, because we're like, ah! Yep. Exactly. And that's where that evolution comes in, right? Like this thing won't, won't last forever, but you got to cash in Well, it is effective right? Like there's going to be a new thing in a year or two years, whatever else. Yeah. And you just got to stay up with it and be willing to stay open-minded and try new things. And look, I I think, um, you know, if anybody's on the fence after listening to this, good Lord, you got to at least go try it now. Seth's made such a logical, reasonable case uh, and, and, you know, shown that it's possible and you can, you know, continue to do everything you know you need to do. And, um, you know, for, for the people that, that uh, maybe can't listen to the whole episode right away, I always include a little sales tip at the beginning of each episode. So, you know, this whole entire episode has been one big tip for <laughs> people trying to build a personal brand here. But um, Seth, what, what is an actionable tip that a salesperson can use? At, you know, go back to their desk, use it after they get done listening to this. Like the biggest thing I would say is, just do like whatever that is if it's content if it's something else you're on the fence about or a new approach you want to try like you just have to do it and like be willing to get over that fear that that risk that's out there because it's going to be a risk um and, and that again i'll relate it directly back to context obviously that's I'm, I'm passionate about that i spent a lot of time there but i see so many people that say well i'm scared to look silly i don't know what i talk about People are going to judge me. It's a different approach. So what? Like you just have to do. And you will never know if you're going to be good at it or if it will be effective until you do. There will always be a reason not to. Like until you can swallow that and get over it, you just have to go do it. And I, I would encourage uh, salespeople, even if you find out it's not your thing, to give it an honest try, right? People laughed at the first people that tried to call over the phone and make sales too but they <laughs> yeah. just did it they said i'm gonna try this and yeah. so you just have to be willing to swallow your pride and go out and do whatever it is i love it man yeah and that's super actionable stop thinking about it you can go right now and do that thing that you know you need to be doing but you've been putting off and i think we we all have those things all the time right and it's a great uh, it's a great reminder and you know as we wrap up here uh Seth, I want to make sure that I ask you the same question that I ask everybody that comes on the Lunch Break podcast. What is your favorite place to eat lunch? Uh, my favorite place to eat lunch, well, I don't get to eat lunch here very often because it's about 30 minutes away from me, but it's actually a brewery here in Iowa called Big Grove Brewery. They've got 
the best Buffalo chicken sandwich ever. And their beers are fantastic. But, uh, you know, we never have any beers over lunch. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's a hell of a combination, man. And, um, look, thank you so much for coming on. I think, uh, <laughs> going into this, I knew it was going to be a good time and I knew that you'd bring a lot of value here. And, and, uh, I know anybody that that's listened to this can walk away with, with some really great stuff to think about and, and, and ways to kind of continue to grow their career. So if folks want to stay in touch uh, with you and continue to follow along, uh, where can they do that at? How can they keep up with you, man? Yeah. So LinkedIn is actually the only social media I have. I'm a terrible millennial, but connect with me on LinkedIn. And I do, I love connecting with other salespeople. So it's just Seth Thompson, obviously, or look up the hashtag Seth Talks, all one word, and you'll see all sorts of my stuff coming across there. So connect with me, reach out. I love uh, chatting with other folks in the sales profession. I love it, man. Thanks so much uh, for coming on and I really appreciate it. So with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 41 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.